As part of Ferrari Fridays, William Ross from the Exotic Car Marketplace will be discussing all things Ferrari and interviewing people that live and breathe the Ferrari brand. Topics range from road cars to racing, drivers to owners, as well as auctions, private sales, and trends in the collector market. Welcome back to the Ferrari Marketplace. I'm your host, William Ross. I appreciate you guys downloading the episodes if you already uh, have been downloading. I know we're getting some activity, so which is awesome. I apologize for the delay in getting more episodes out. I've got about 20 different things going on right now, so I get a little absent-minded and setting up a schedule so I can come and record these. So again, my apologies. So I, I'm getting a couple of things kind of wrapped up and taken care of, so should be able to squeeze these in a little more frequently, hopefully every week or so instead of, I think it's been almost two months, if not maybe more, since I've done my last one. I think it was July did my last one. So I apologize for that. That's just me. I'm just, you know, I'm terrible with my time management. I got to get a little more better in that. I got to start putting a schedule up and whatnot. So I know I kept on previous episodes. Oh, hey, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of that. So, but I know that's me. I'll get it situated, though. Again, just be patient with me. We'll get a schedule out. Because one thing I want to kind of uh, hit on is I'm, one of the things I'm working on is actually I teamed up with some individuals and we're kind of consolidating all my projects, websites, and whatnot that I have under one umbrella website and the exoticcarmarketplace.com. And so we're going to have like the Ferrari Marketplace, Porsche Marketplace, Lamborghini Marketplace. So I, I have all these other entities out there that I kind of work on and do it. So we're going to put them all under that umbrella and make it a one-stop shop. We're going to have a lot more different types of podcasts on there. Tune up the guys from Garage Riot. Uh, I got a couple other uh, entities coming in to not only provide content, but maybe you know potentially help sponsor the site and whatnot. So and get this thing to grow because we kind of want to be a one-stop shop for everyone that's you know, exotic hypercars, you know, your Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Koenigseggs, whatnot, that kind of stuff. And you can get on there and find news, everything like that, and find your, what you're looking for. And just go on there and hop around all the different places in the, in the Internet. You can just hit one website, and you'll be able to find a lot of different things out and potentially have down the road also, like, listings and whatnot for used cars, either you're you know, from dealers or private owners, however we want to get us up. So we're getting that kind of little worked out. So, again, I appreciate it. And... I hope the sound on this is okay. So I'm adjusting a few things. Again, I'm not no expert with this, so I'm doing my best. But now onward and upward to the episode for today. Today we are talking about the infamous abandoned 250 GTO. That is chassis number 3589. This is a very, very well-known GTO because the fact is it sat abandoned on a trailer and a lot of people don't know where it was banned, but it was in North Royalton, Ohio, which is basically about 15 minutes from where I live. So anyways, it's got a very interesting story behind it and why it was sitting there for so long. It's kind of a heartbreaking story of why that was sitting there so long like that. So it had nothing to do with the negligent owner. It just has a, there's a tragic story behind it and just something that really kind of stuck and struck a chord with this guy in regards to not being able to do something with it because he blamed himself and You'll understand why once I get into the story. So anyways, let's talk about the story first before it, how it ended up in that field. Well, anyways, 3589 was built in 1962 in Marinello by Ferrari, obviously. 
1962, and for about $9,000, you know, you think, well, that's cheap. Well, you know, actually back then, that was a lot of money. Now, again, this was a strictly race car. I mean, yeah, you could drive it on the street, but it, these things were built to race. So, anyways, it was, you know, raced a lot by Ennis Ireland, uh, several other individuals. You know, we didn't, like, have any Le Mans glory, any, like, huge, like, big wins, you know, meal meal or anything along those lines. You know, nothing along those lines, but, you know, the car was well taken care of. It wasn't, like, completely demolished. It wasn't, you know, any tragic, like, the cup that one G2 or someone died in it, anything along those lines. So, but, you know, it had a good racing life and, you know, had some great drivers behind it racing it. And then it was, you know, owned and uh, it was being raced by Rosebud Racing out of Texas, who is the entity and the people that were racing this car. Now, I don't know if they were the ones that like, campaigned it for Innes Ireland or what have you, but all I know is that's who had the car at that time when it was donated to the Texas high school. Now everyone knows that, you know, the sitting there. Could you imagine that in the late 60s? You have your high school shop class. You're working on a Ferrari 250 GTO. Now, granted, back then, the stigma and everything behind a 250 GTO really wasn't it is what it is today. You know, that car was worth maybe, you know, 1500 bucks, three grand at that point in time. Again, it was a washed up, thrown away race car. You know, it was something that wasn't going to be utilized anymore. So its life was done. And so they really didn't have any value to it. And people just didn't look at old race cars the way they do now. You know, especially at that time, everything was transitioning to rear engine stuff. So... Hey, it is what it is. So, anyways, the high school had that car for some period of time, let them tinker on it and whatnot. Now, step in the gentleman from North Royalton, Joe Cortian. He had a rental car business called Motor Cars Masculine. Now, this, <laughs> this rental car agency, they rented out Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, Dimitasso, Mangustas. You know, they had 275 GTBs. You know, they had everything. I mean, it was obscene what this guy would rent out. And it wasn't all that expensive to rent these cars. That's what the crazy part about this is. It was relatively inexpensive to rent these things. Could you imagine that? Walking into your Hertz thing, hey, can I rent a 275 GTB? Yeah, it ain't going to happen. But this is what this guy did. And this is in Ohio to boot. So anyways, so Joe operating his business and what have you, he acquires a GTO and he has it. Well, one winter, because anyone knows here in Ohio, obviously come wintertime, you're not driving these cars on the street because obviously all the snow, what have you, and the roads aren't very prime for operating Ferraris. And it just doesn't happen. So the car was in his garage. It was on the trailer. It was sitting there. And somehow, and this, is, <laughs> this kind of kills you, the window was down and snow had accumulated inside the car and what have you. Well, unfortunately, one day his young son was out in the garage playing and playing around the car, playing on the car, because, hey, you know, he didn't know what it was. He unfortunately fell in through the window that was open and broke his neck, suffocated and died. And obviously Joe was completely heartbroken about what happened and his son passing away and in this car and he blamed himself for it because he felt it was his fault that his son died you know blamed himself for many a long long time in regards to you know causing his son's death so basically he put the car up on the trailer parked it out in the field and basically done you know had it well obviously as the subsequent years go by as these cars gain in value and people know about this car and 
people that know, hey, in the Ferrari world that are in the industry and the market, you know, kind of know where a lot of these cars are at and who owns what and what have you. Joe would get constantly bombarded, people stopping. Obviously, it was pre-internet, so it wasn't emails like that. You guys would physically go stop, knock on the door, and hats on. So, anyways, you know, people were just stopping by constantly. So, any day, anyway, one day, this one gentleman from Ohio's named David Nelson, you know, he knew of the car, and he dealt with these types of cars and what have you, and obviously, you know, person he was wanted to buy this car. So they were on a road rally, and they were in the vicinity of North Royalton one day, and he says, I'm going to stop. And a couple of people with her are all, like, freaking out because they think, they're thinking to themselves that, oh, crap, you know, he, Dave's going to get himself shot. You know, this guy's going to come out with a shotgun, blah, 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 all this crap. So they were like, what the hell? Again, hurt to ask. So they get there to the house. He goes up, knocks on the door, and Joe answers. And just a couple of niceties and small talk. And Joe Fine just comes down and says, so let me guess. You're here about the 250 GTO. And Dave's like, no, I want to talk to you about your uh, business yet. You know, you're the guy that owned Motor Cars Masculine, right? And Joe's demeanor and attitude changed completely. And because he wasn't asking about the GTO, he's asking about Joe himself in regards to the business. Yet. So, you know, he was like enthusiastic about talking about. It. So they talked for a, a long time, not sure how long, but they chatted for a long time on his porch. And at the end of the conversation, Joe was like, hey, you know, here's my number. Anytime you want to talk, hey, you know, give me a call. We'll chat, blah, 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 and the whole nine yards. And, you know, they struck up a friendship because David approached it the right way. He showed his interest in the person, not in the car. And that was a great way to approach it. So a little tip for anyone out there that's kind of barn find hunting and look for cars, see what i Don't just come out and ask about the car right away. Find something more interesting about the owner of the house, something like that that's separate from the car and work your way up to it. You're going to get a lot farther in trying to acquire that car by taking that approach than just by blatantly jumping right out and asking about the car. Because trust me, you're not the first person that stopped and asked about that car. So anyways, so they create this friendship, you know, and they obviously talk quite a bit. And so back and forth for like a couple years, you know, this time, and not really even discussing about, hey, I want to buy the car. David wasn't taking an approach. Just, hey, they had a friendship. They talked and bullshit a lot and stuff like that. Well, one night they were out to dinner. And let's see, this is for some of the old timers that watch us. They were at a Chi Chi's. And that was a Mexican restaurant back in the day that was all across the country, very popular. Food was our, I remember going there because you always had that fried ice cream that they had, was really good. Uh, and it always baffled me how they made that fried ice cream. And how do you take ice cream and have something on top of it fried and then not melt the ice cream? But, anyways, Pretty neat trick. So, anyone out to listen? I don't know if anyone's been to Chi-Chi's, but I used to go there all the time. I don't know it's pretty good. I mean, it wasn't true authentic Mexican food, but hey, it is what it is back in the day. So, anyways, they're sitting in the Chi-Chi's, and Chi-Chi's were kind of dark back then. You know, kind of that that effect that a lot of these restaurants had. You know, keep it kind of dark, whatnot, and blah blah blah. So they're sitting there, they're having dinner and what have you. And I, Dave's got his couple young kids there. I think one was. Five or six year olds, he was saying, another one's like just a newborn, what have you. But, anyways, so they're having dinner, and all of a sudden, you know, Joe just comes out and, you know, asks Dave, says, Hey, do you think I'm nuts? Do you think I'm crazy? And, you know, Dave's like, What do you mean? Why? You know, because about the car, the GTO. And Dave's like, No, I completely understand in regards to why it has such a meaning and sentimental value to it. I mean, I get it. You know, I'd be the same way. I mean, your son tragically passed away in that car and you know the history behind it and hey you know you kind of you know blame yourself for it because you think you were the reason for that 
So anyways, they talked a little bit more, and you know, David brings up the idea. Says, "Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, it's what you know, what was important to your son? You know, what was your some things?" So I got talking, and basically, said his son loved Notre Dame, wanted to go to Notre Dame. So that was a big thing for his son. So David come proposes, like, say, "Well, why don't we do this? We'll find the buyer. I'll get a buyer. That's not a problem. We'll sell the car. Then let's set up a, a scholarship. We'll get an annuity put together and set up a scholarship in your son's name at Notre Dame." And Joe loved this idea, thought it was fantastic. So what do they do is he agrees to that. So David sets it all up. They get the transaction done. And to this day, that scholarship in his son's name is still there at Notre Dame and still going strong. I don't know how you look up scholarships and whatnot or what's available at Notre Dame, but if you want to look it up, Cortian, and I'm not not sure how it's set up in there. I tried to look, but that's not my forte. So anyways... That car, um, the scholarship is still going strong, and it's gave, I want to say basically kind of saved Joe's life, because according to David, you know, some years down the road he ran into Joe's other son, and he really thanked profusely to David, because it basically gave Joe back his life, you know, he's you know traveled more and he felt that weight really off his shoulders because he finally basically forgave himself in regards to what was going on, so. His son was just over the moon in regards to what David was actually able to do for him, which is phenomenal. So anyways, so the car got sold to a, a collector or gentleman that was in New York, and they really didn't do much with it. They had the car, and, and I think they only bought it for like half a mil, maybe 500, 600 grand, something like that. And I, again, I don't know what they did, something to it, or they did anything to it, you know, what they did mechanically, restora- restoration-wise, I don't know. Um, I tried to find that out, and I couldn't really find much on it, but... Only a couple of years later, it was bought by the current owners, the Steiger family. So, and I believe they paid a little over $2 million for it. So that's a healthy return for that individual that bought it from Cortian. I'll tell you that. That's not a bad return when, uh, on your investment there in that short of time. So anyways, the Steiger family's owned it since then. Now, they took it upon themselves to do a complete nut and bolt restoration on the car. I'm pretty sure they went through the extreme on the car. And at the time they acquired it, I believe it was you know, still painted red when they acquired it. At some point in time, it had gotten painted. And being a race car back then, they didn't matter painting cars there. But they had it repainted back to its original blue color. It's a real dark blue. It almost looks black uh, when you see it, but it's actually super, super dark blue. It's gorgeous, gorgeous. And being a right-hand drive GTO, it's on the rarer side of GTOs. I mean, it's rare as it is being a GTO, but this thing's even more rare because it's a right-hand drive one. So anyways, they've had the car ever since. And, and God bless them, they campaign it, they take it around, they showcase this car a lot in places. You know, they, they utilize it, they exercise it. You know, I, I applaud the individuals that own these cars, like Nick Mason, big fan of Nick. You know, he's got an awesome collection, but he exercises and uses this car. There's a great video, I don't know if you're on YouTube you follow Jody Kidd, but she did a great video with Nick's wife where they took the car out, that GTO out in another car, and they went to lunch somewhere, and... Nick's wife is, she's a heck of a race car driver. I'll tell you that. Kudos to her. She can handle and drive a car. So she, she's no slack behind the wheel, that's for sure. But they get that thing going, and, and that's such a glorious sound, that V12. Oh, my God, that, it's just, it just sounds gorgeous. It's just music. It's a symphony. So, anyways, Steiger family currently own it, and so they've said it's what? I mean, 30-plus years that they've owned that car, and that car's probably never going to leave their family um, they have no reason to sell and they're not hurting for money or anything like that. So 
it's a it's a great story. It's kind of a sad story, but it's got a great ending to it in regards to hey, the car was you know actually saved and brought back to life. You know, it, it's sad what happened to Joe's son because uh, of that, but that gives you the story and the history behind chassis number thirty five eighty nine sitting abandoned in a field for twenty plus years in North Royalton, Ohio. So, anyways, I appreciate everybody listening. This is kind of a short one. Um, just kind of want to you know give a little background on that because I know that's kind of a that photos of that car sitting on a trailer get passed around quite a bit on the internet and people really don't understand or know the story behind it and why it was sitting out on that trailer for that long period of time and guys like how could somebody do that well there you go that's why so again I appreciate everybody listening and I will put a link to the new umbrella website that I got going on out there and I got another thing I'll put down, another link to it, to the Rockin' Revs. They've got a new event coming together, uh, putting together here in Cleveland for next year uh, down in the North Coast Harbor. It's going to be really a lot of fun, benefiting Make-A-Wish and Island Safe Harbor Animal Sanctuary. So, hey, again, I appreciate everybody listening. Share it, and I should have another episode coming out hopefully next week and debating what to do it on. So kind of uh, jumping around in regards to how I want to approach this. I'm thinking of doing it on the Triposti, the three-seater with the center seating position that they made two of. Love that car. So anyways, again, I appreciate everybody listening. You guys take care. Have a good one. And we will talk soon. Peace. This episode has been brought to you by Grand Touring Motorsports as part of our Motoring Podcast Network. For more episodes like this, tune in each week for more exciting and educational content from organizations like the Exotic Car Marketplace, the Motoring Historian, Brake Fix, and many others. If you'd like to support Grand Touring Motorsports and the Motoring Podcast Network, sign up for one of our many sponsorship tiers at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. Please note that the content, opinions, and materials presented and expressed in this episode are those of its creator, and this episode has been published with their consent. If you have any inquiries about this program, please contact the creators of this episode via email or social media, as mentioned in the episode.